you will, open up your Bibles to 1 Peter, and we're going to pick up where we kind of left off last week concerning two worlds, or literally the seen realm, what you see, perceive, touch with the senses, you know, smelling, hearing with the natural ear, and the unseen or things that are not perceptible to physical touch or physical sight, you know, those different things. So when the Bible said we walk by faith and not by sight, he's basically instructing us the way that a Christian is supposed to navigate this life is not all by just touching, feeling, and experience. You with me? But, you know, the world has taught a different way. Well, if it feels good, do it. But I found this out way back before I was serving God, that everything that felt good didn't do the right thing for me deep down inside. You with me? And then when I tried to better myself and do what people said would make you better, it didn't do something inside. I found out there was nothing that did it except the Lord. Whether people agree with that or not, that's on them. I know that by experience. So when we're talking about the seen and the unseen, one thing, because we've said different statements like that along the way, we're not talking about the non-experience and, you know, the experience. Because when you say the seen and unseen, I wonder if some people think, well, the unseen is you can't experience that. No, that's not even true at all. The unseen is experienced all the time by people. They just don't notice it. You with me? And there are ways to navigate. And I think sometimes people don't realize because they'll say, you know, the Bible, it's an old book. It's been rewritten all these times. Somebody who says that just doesn't know. They just don't. They don't understand. But the fact of the matter is this book is so you can navigate in this seen world, which is extremely, extremely temporary. As a whole, you with me? And not only as a whole, but our own lives are even more temporary than this world. Way more temporary. And so we're in a world that is running side to side or totally interconnected, however you want to say it, an unseen realm with influences, uh, positive influences, negative. God is in that unseen realm and he is real and can be really experienced. And so we need to understand, though we talk about the unseen realm, we're not talking the unexperienced, the unreal we're not talking about something that's far-fetched. We're talking about something that's absolutely real. And then if you know how to operate here according to this book, and that's why this book is so important, it helps us to know how to operate. This book is not obsolete. Just because men have changed through all the years, and they say, well, now we need to be accepting of this, and now this is okay. Do you know that this book told us before the end would come, people would push that narrative. And not only did he say he'd push the narrative, he told us exactly the parts of the narrative they would push. 
So the book is really relative. It was inspired by the unseen realm. Man, see people say, well, man wrote the book. Yeah, but they were moved from the unseen realm by God to put it down here. Holy men of old, the Bible said, were moved by the Spirit and penned this stuff. So it's here for us today. It's relative today. What's interesting is though people who are just so temporal are proclaiming it's irrelevant, all it would take is to go look at some of the things and you would think, well, how long ago was this written? Wait a minute. And it was inspired though. It's like no other book. But it's trying to help us navigate properly in this realm with this unseen realm all around us so we do the work we're supposed to do while we're here because while we're here is short, it is, you know. When you're a kid, it's forever, <laughs> right? I mean, I remember taking trips with my grandparents, some of the first long trips. I was born and raised in Southern California, and so they were going to take us to their place in Montana. And we lived in a city called Laverne, and Pasadena is where I was born, 20 minutes away. I remember driving and in the car, and we're going with them for the first time, and they're like, here we go. All right, awesome. We're driving. I don't even think we were to Pasadena yet. I said, we there yet? And my grandparents were real steady people, and, and I, they said, no, we're not there yet. It'll be a while. Ten minutes later, I mean, we're not even out of the valley. I've asked them a half a dozen times or more, and finally my grandfather, I don't know if he turned around, but he had eyeballs in the back of his head. It felt like he stared at me. He said, don't ask for a couple of more days. That was devastating. I was like, serious? Like, how long are we going to be trapped here? It's forever. Now two days as an adult? Nothing. You're like, I would like a couple more. Right? Isn't that true? And how time is, as you go further, you recognize, wait a minute, it's not that long. So we're going to look at some things, how to effectively connect in the unseen realm to get results, real ones. And so First Peter, and we'll begin reading in the first chapter, and it's super important to know these truths. You know, the Bible said whether other people are believing or not, it said God is still faithful to his word. So it doesn't matter if nobody else trusts you, believes what you're doing is right. If you got the word and you're doing it right, who cares what other people think? I've been that way with my own life, with leadings from God. I didn't care what other people thought. Now, I wasn't going to be mean to them, but they're trying to tell me this is God's will or that's God's will. Well, have fun, but I know God's will, and I'm moving. I'm moving this way, and I'm going to do this. And once we know his word, and the word is not always flashy. It's not. It's not all like, boom, fireworks, bam. But it's just as God as ever. And anybody who will act on it can reap the results, the riches. So 1 Peter 1, we'll read in the 8th and 9th verse. These are the verses we ended with. Whom having not seen, you love, talking about Jesus, though now you do not see. He said that twice, seen and see him. Yet believing, you rejoice Notice that phrase, don't see him, 
you love him, haven't seen him, you believe. But notice this. Here's the big thing, what people need to know. Believers really do see different than unbelievers. More than just that they love the Bible or they look to the Bible. Jesus said when a person gets born again, he said, then you'll be able to see or literally perceive is the word, grasp spiritual things. That was the first thing that happened to me when I gave my life to the Lord. The Bible became a different book. I saw what I never saw before. And no wonder I didn't know all the scriptures I know today. The Bible said we as believers, all with unveiled face and unveiled heart, when we read the Bible, it says that glory begins to affect us. There's real power in the book. But it's when you surrender to the Lord that the veil is done and it begins to transform your life. And you could have somebody right next to you, they don't believe and this is the stupidest thing. What are you, you guys were just raising your hands. <laughs> That's, that was great. So you were at a football game watching men run around in tight pants and throwing a pumpkin around, and you were all raising your hands, high-fiving everybody, and that ended, and nobody really cares. This will go on forever. If you like football, don't get offended right now. I'm just saying there are priorities in life. But notice this. He said, yet believing, when you believe something you don't see that is in line with the truth, something triggers in the believer. It says, yet believing, you rejoice. When you believe, you're not depressed. I'm just believing, but I'm just depressed about all this. No, you're not believing. You're observing everything but what's right and true. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible. Notice this. It's not just you working this up. It says full of glory. What is glory? Well, it's a manifestation of the power of the Spirit. Two times in the Bible it tells not that Jesus rose from the dead, but two times in the New Testament it tells you how he was raised. One, it said by the Spirit. The other said by the glory of the Father. In other words, by a manifestation of his Spirit. I will say this. When you believe his word, it may not trigger something in your emotions, in your head. It'll trigger something in you. And you'll start to want to rejoice inside. Your emotions, if they're not renewed, will think this is dumb. What? Don't, don't do this. We don't act like a fool. When I got saved, I had conflict. Because I would be like, man, woo, Jesus. I mean, if you just stood still long enough, I was going to tell you, and the more I told, the more glory and power. And I'd get done and think, Whoa! Well, I didn't care that I offended everybody, which I should have used love and stuff. But I was thinking, man, I believe this. And there was glory and power in the whole thing. It wasn't just rejoicing, like when you get excited about something. It was infused with God's power. I found that quite addicting. 
totally found it addicting. I was like, are you serious? I wasted all those years, and people tried to tell me, but how can you tell somebody what has to be believed and then experienced? And so right here he said, with joy inexpressible, but then he didn't stop there, full of glory. It is the privilege of every believer to experience and live with and in connection to God's power and glory, period. It's their privilege. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. In other words, when you believed and you declared and you accepted the Lord, he said there comes an end to that. Your soul gets changed. You get saved. And I'll tell you what, that joy doesn't go away after it happens. What I wanted to say is this, you can believe things you don't see based on truth. And what happens is when people get saved, have you ever noticed new believers after they give their life to the Lord? They're obnoxious. I say that jokingly. Well, glory to God. Why are they so driven? Are they just become emotional now? Or have they believed, and now inside they got saved. Now they have rejoicing, and now it's affecting their emotions, and it's full of glory, and it's like they're flipping the switch. Man, whoo, oh, yeah. And then the older Christians are like, well, they'll calm down. You know what that means? That means you've gotten your mind away from the answer of the Lord, and you're not believing to the same way you did before. Because all you have to do is believe what you don't see, give the proper space to the truth, you with me? And it'll go off in you again. And you'll think, man, I'm saved. Oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember this. Somebody's like, I don't remember that. <laughs> hey, we need to give the rightful attention to the truth. It needs its right space in our life. Here's what happens. People that lose the joy of their salvation, they didn't lose their salvation. What they did was they became so mature that they allowed things to creep in they never would have allowed before. And they didn't know that thing is robbing them of that life flow. It's crowded. Their minds have been flooded and inundated with all kinds of thoughts and ideas. Really what's happened, they've forgotten. Now they can say, oh yeah, my sins were forgiven, but they've forgotten. It doesn't paint the same picture. It's a faded picture in their thinking because of their focus. And so what happens in these cases is their faith gets throttled. You know, you don't hear this much about cars today, but when I was younger, I had a, a Camaro and a 67 Camaro. And, you know, you got the linkage on there and all this of the carburetor. And, you know, they're a little, like these little clamp things. And you'd lose them. And so what'd you do? You wired it. That's cool. Take got another one. But you go down the road and you're flooring it. All of a sudden that thing falls off and you're, it just starts idling. Away you go. And what happened, it's throttled. It won't go and do what it's supposed to do because you've lost the connection. Did you lose your engine? You look through the rear view mirror? No, it's still there. It's just not producing what it should and can. 
And when people lose their focus and allow too much in, their faith gets throttled. Their joy diminishes. And results stop happening. And then we learn how to make excuses. I'm so glad when you read the Bible, you realize the disciples didn't make these excuses. When they weren't getting results, they went and talked to the Lord and said, how come? We used to be able to do this. We don't anymore. You know, if we'd be honest with the Lord in our relationship, it'd be vibrant. Amen? But in Matthew 4, verse 37 through 40 is an interesting story. It's about when Jesus told his disciples to go to the other side one of the times in a ship. And he's asleep in the, in the boat. And uh, what happens is they're traveling, and a storm, you know, starts rising. And, I mean, it's getting bad. And it's getting bad fast to the point where they think, we're going to die. We're going to die. Don't you care, Lord? They were shaking their fist at him. He's asleep over there. Don't you care? How many people say that to the Lord? Don't you care? Maybe he's sleeping. Uh, Wait, don't say that. Well, we know he never sleeps in slumbers, but as a man, he, he was sound asleep right there. And he woke up when they did, and he rebuked the storm and then rebuked them and said, why didn't you do something about it? Where was your faith? And he said, why are you so fearful? Why were they fearful? Because they allowed their minds to get flooded with all the things they could see and all the things they could experience and all the things that were going on. And so their faith got affected. Their faith got affected. You wonder why Jesus said, hey, if you really want finances in life and you really want all the things that you need in this life, you can't worry. You can't get focused on the wrong thing. If you want peace, you can't get focused on the wrong thing. And so, why? Because those things affect our faith. Somebody said, yeah, but you don't know what I've gone through. Nobody knows what everybody's gone through, but we all face things in life. You with me? But if we're not careful, we can allow our heads to not match what's in our spirit after we're saved, and it will affect us dramatically. Turn to Isaiah 26. You with me? Isaiah 26. This verse right here is fascinating to me. Isaiah 26.3 may be familiar to, to you. It says, you will keep him, Isaiah 26.3, in perfect peace. How many of you would love it if the verse ended right there? That would be great. <laughs> All right. But it didn't. Because whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. An action of trust is explained to a believer by where and what you focus your attention on. That shows your trust right there. But remember this, you're going to get into situations where things are going to try to attack you from the unseen realm, thoughts, ideas, suggestions that are going to say it can't work, it won't work, this isn't so. But our trust and an action of that trust is shown by where I put and keep my mind. Literally here, it means your imagination. 
Where do you put your imagination? Oh, I just put it on the positive. Well, that's good. But what positive? This is not self-help. This is God-help. You need to make sure that what you're entertaining lines up with your faith. What the Word of God says. Because if it's not, then you might say, I'm believing, but you're not acting on your belief. Everybody said, whoa. How many times have people done this? They got in a place, saying, all right, I'm going to believe God, and they went and they prayed. They got done, they shouted, woo, <laughs> I got it, prayed, it's done. Five minutes later, thought comes, well, how do you feel? Do you see any change? No. Go look at your, uh, your checking account, your savings, oh, yeah, whoa. What are you doing? You're having an option presented to you of what you're going to entertain now. You are about to get the option of continuing in peace and getting results or get depressed, get vexed, get pushed down and not get results and that's where the battle is right there. Sounds simple. We took the why on the road, the wrong why. We followed the scene. And, and is this doable? Absolutely. This is totally doable to be able to get results. Here's what we need to do. As believers, we need to think faith thoughts. Where do you get faith thoughts from? You get them out of the Word of God. You need to think thoughts and entertain things of victory in your life. Where are you going to find out victory? If you're looking always only at the natural, you're not always going to see victory. You're not. But with God, there is victory. He's in the other realm. He inspired the stuff to be written to say, hey, I'm with you always. I will help you when you're in trouble. Not when everything's going right. See, that's easy to rejoice right then. Easy to keep your mind on the Lord. And then you might look at someone and say, well, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah, you, you're in a good place, so to speak. But we can keep ourselves in a good place and think right. And if we entertain faith thoughts and victory thoughts in the Lord, we'll find them in the Word. They're all over the place in the New Testament. It's part of the covenant that God has with His people. But how many people have entertained failure, 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 failing, insufficient, no good, and those are not faith thoughts? That's not how God pictures His people. These are the things that make and break people. These are the things that will take you on or leave you where you're at. And I'm not trying to sound hard. I'm trying to be helpful because sometimes people think, well, I'm just going to give my mind to the Lord and just say, Lord, you do something with my mind. You can't do that. He makes your spirit new, but he tells you to control your own mind. And here's the big thing. If you're saved, God has endeavored to deal with you about your decisions in life. Those will always be interconnected to where your mind ends up. 
is it okay if I just watch all TV all day long? If God has dealt with you maybe in the past, then watch that. Why? Because he knows what fills you will direct you. That doesn't mean that your spirit isn't made new in the Lord, but man, you can live a frustrated life as a Christian and not live in victory because we didn't realize he was doing things for our benefit. Notice this in Proverbs 4. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. You know, Proverbs is called the book of wisdom. What is wisdom? It means skillful in action. And so Proverbs 4, a couple of things before we go here that I think, man, if people knew this, if I'd have known this, you know, I could have been, I should have just did what I was supposed to. You know, you ever been there? I should have just done what I was supposed to. I don't like where I'm at. But as a believer, if we know certain things, it will help us to be educated in our decisions. And we'll recognize God is doing stuff for our benefit. Proverbs 4, in other words, him directing us, verse 20 said, My son, give attention to my words. Where are you going to find his words? His words are in the word. And it says, Incline your ear to my sayings or accept what I say. Do not let them depart from your eyes. And this is kind of the subject we're talking about. Don't let them be gone from your thought life. Don't let your thought life wander around. He said, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst or the core of your own heart. Why would you do that? Why would he give these instructions about you giving proper place to the word? Is this some legalistic rule or is this something that would help you? And so he said here, because remember, if you do this and give attention and start accepting the word of God, it's going to spark joy with God's power and his glory that eventually will produce results according. You with me? In other words, you won't even see it. You'll believe it. It will do something in your heart, and God's glory will start backing. Then he said, look, you'll receive the end of your faith, the experience of your faith. But notice this. He said, you got to give some time yourself to the word. Then you've got to incline your ear to a saying. You know what it is to incline your ear to someone's saying when your mom said, will you take out the trash? And you go, yes. And then she comes home and it's not taken out. You inclined your ear to her saying, right? No. No, that's why she inclined the rod to your rear <laughs> or applied it. Because you didn't incline. Just because you read it, you didn't accept it. And so you got to accept it above all things. And then he said, don't let it depart from your eyes. Once you've accepted it, that's not the end of the battle. You need to make sure that it doesn't get robbed by wrong thinking. And he said, and this is what I find fascinating. He said, keep it there. Keep it in the midst of your heart by doing this. And notice these next verses. For they are life. P. 
people who accept the word and entertain the word experience the life of God and the life from the word to those who find them and health and medicine deliverance to their whole being. It's there. But notice this. He goes on to say, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, out of what? Out of your own heart. And you're the one who puts things in it, right? By giving attention to the word. He said, flow the issues of life. I remember hearing somebody one time teach on this, I mean, 30 years ago, and they made a comment. I thought, I'm going to go look up those words in the Hebrew. And do you know when it said, out of your heart, flow the issues of life? It literally means the borders or the parameters of your life. Your life can be restricted by your beliefs or expanded. Your borders can go out. You know, there's a verse that actually says this. Jesus said this very thing to us. All things are possible to him who believes. In other words, your borders expand in your belief. Or they get restricted, and he just told us how to apply these things. So what I need to do is I need to ponder big things. I need to ponder faith things. I need to ponder things. Your borders of your life as a believer will go where you ponder. Oh, man, I'm just struggling with this. It's just never going to change. It's never going to change. That puts a limit. Jesus said it's possible. But if I don't entertain, the borders diminish. How many people struggle with things that they really don't have to struggle with, but the reason they struggle with it is their spirit is one way. They've given their life to the Lord, but they don't entertain. They don't meditate day and night in the Word of God. Therefore, they get robbed of joy. They get robbed of victory that rightfully belongs to them, that God intended for them to have, intended for them to experience. And I'll tell you what, joy inexpressible and full of glory comes when I believe. And it, if I stay with that, will bring an end or a production of something. And I'll tell you what, no young believer should ever be squished because of their joy. It's because they got that because of their believing. Are you full of glory in manifestation as a result of some joy? It's because of what I believe. And if I'll just keep these things in my mind and imagine them, then my borders in God will abound and get bigger. If I don't like where I'm at today, I have to ask myself, what have I been pondering concerning him and his word? Have I been pondering greater is he who's in me? Post-it note on the bottom. Of my I wasn't in the bathroom. This is not toilet paper. It's a post-it note. At least I better check. No, there is no toilet paper down there. But that being said, if I want my borders to expand, what kind of borders do I want? Do I want limitless or borders without limit. Jesus said all things are possible. 
can I learn to be led by God where it gets stronger and stronger? That's going to happen by me meditating on the fact that he said, I live in you always. I will lead you. I will rise up in you. I will witness to you. I will tell you things. I will show you things. But how many people don't have an experience one day and they start imagining? That doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. They're bringing their borders backwards. I don't know about you, but working in this world, you recognize tendencies of people. I don't think it's really the tendency of a believer to have restricted borders. I know this, like people with properties, and we'll end with this, you know. You ever seen people? They're like, uh, their property line isn't really lined up. You can't really tell yours from someone else's. You ever notice what people do? Most of the time, people don't err on generosity and move their fence back toward their land. <clears throat> do they? Oh, no. All of a sudden, your corn that you were growing in pumpkins are on their side. How'd that happen? There's no fence, and now they moved it over. Well, they, they didn't err on that side. Why? They didn't want restriction. They didn't want their borders brought back, right? I mean, you think about it. If somebody goes to prison, what's the worst place to be? Solitary confinement. Notice, even in that, the bigger, you know, the less criminal, so to speak, or I guess the less you've been caught, the more freedom you have and the more you can expand and move. Those are natural things. But in one sense, I don't know if you know this, there's a scripture in Corinthians. Paul wrote to them and he said this. He said, you're not hemmed in by me, but by your own thoughts, your own affections. The way you ponder things has caused you to be restricted in the borders of your life. If you want your life to get bigger, you're going to have to be diligent to think bigger. Like God moves on me. You ever entertained you have the peace of God because the Bible said it? And if you give yourself to these things, they'll start coming into manifestation. They're truths out of the Word of God. But what's interesting is we all have an important role to play in it. Obviously, you have to be saved. Positive thinking will not change your spirit. The new birth does. But the fact of the matter is, once I have new life, what am I going to do? Guarantee you, if you live around people who are uh, joyful and always, they're usually thinking more on the positive side of life. People who are not, usually do not. You know, God made you that way. Ford when he originally made cars, he made them after, if they were steam, but gas, he made them to run on gas. And if they chose not to put gas, it didn't work right. God made us a certain way. We need to be careful what we entertain. Knew you'd be excited about this. But it's a fact. I want to expand my borders. There's enough land out there for everybody. There's enough stuff out there for everybody. In God. Why don't you start thinking like you used to? Or you do. He's big. He's mighty. He's strong. And why don't you picture him doing big stuff and start using your imagination?
on purpose. You with me? And I guarantee you, when he said, he who keeps his mind, it's the word imagination. What is imagination? It's images. We're to cast down vain imaginations, the Bible said. What does that mean? A bad image. They're going to kick us out. You see yourself. Kicked out. Kicked out. Kicked out. Kicked out. You know this works. 